Welcome to the Midwest Nice Podcast, a show with honest political discourse dipped in ranch. I'm your host, John Flynn, and today I'm joined by Amy Lipka, Muriel Brown-Fallon, and Lauren Kaufman. Keep your accents strong and the Dutch Girl Donuts close by, because you're going to need them. Let's get the show started. Again, and in a different room. Hey, everyone. Every time we do a podcast, we say, we're back. Yeah. We're back. Well, we don't, you know, eventually, and I'm working on ideas, at least in my head, of a place where we can do this, you know, not a different building, but Is somehow we can do this easier so I don't oh. have to move a bunch of equipment around and well, they don't need that to, they don't need to know one. the details. Long People story short, this it. is a very professional situation that we have happening here. Um, and people, people are, are very into it. This is the Midwest. We make things happen right. through hardship, mm-hmm. through snowstorms. Yes, we're going to podcast. We're you're greasy. Gonna listen. We're dirty. No, we're not. <laughs> okay, we're you're, not. Maybe we're not. you are. I made that up. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So we are. In case uh, our listeners out there, it, there's a little bit of echo in here because we're doing it in our conference room today because. It's actually the middle of our work. Normally we do this after work. Today we're doing it at like noon just because that happened it, to work out. It could be a conference room. It could be a large theater. It could be a cathedral. That's true. It could you be a live show with mm, a very quiet yeah, we, audience. We're at the Fox Theater right now coming <laughs> at you live from Detroit, Michigan. imaginations. Yeah. Our listeners have vivid imaginations in that they imagine that we do a show every week. Right. Because right. we don't actually... We're Even trying. though we keep saying 2019 resolution, I, that's my resolution. No, for real. Like I'm going to find some way because part of the problem is you know every time we do it, I gotta move equipment over and we gotta make sure everyone's there and um, all that. So trying to find a way that we can simplify the process so it's super easy for us to just hop over to a table and uh, get started on it. But we're here, we're ready. Things are going on in Michigan. Yes. Things are happening. Things are happening. We're here. Uh, so yeah, uh, let's get it started with what the heck is going on in the Michigan legislature right now. It's the lame duck section of the legislature. <laughs> right <now. laughs> right I don't Good. know the, the right way to say that. Uh, so yeah, it's in its lame duck session. Uh, so basically that, what that means is that this is the last session where outgoing legislators are going to meet before the successors who have been elected take place. And Traditionally, this has been a time where especially outgoing legislators try to push all of their, uh, you know, the bills they've been wanting for a long time. Uh, but it's taken on a little bit more of a an, an alarming thing in Michigan, this this lame duck session. Uh, yeah. So let's let's get into it. Yeah, some might call it a coup. Some might call it a little bit less than that. Well, but yeah, it's definitely... No- it's definitely been like garnering a lot of national attention, especially because we know that yeah things are happening in Michigan, but things are also happening um, in our neighboring less cool mitten state. Not even a mitten, we're the mitten, uh, the state of Wisconsin. Where we're in um, solidarity with them right now. Okay, <laughs> okay. There's um, a rivalry. <laughs> There's you know, a rivalry. The Packers and the Lions and all that. <laughs> but right now we are brothers and sisters. In the in struggle. arms against uh, a coup that's trying to happen right? Uh, by the GOP in both of our states. Exactly. So, I mean, anybody else can feel free to chime in at any time, but I think that we're all on the same page about the fact that um, there are kind of two alarming things currently happening right now in this lame duck, 
uh, lame duck session. So the first piece of it um, is that there have been the introduction and the passage of some extremely regressive pieces of legislation by Republicans um, that kind of fly in the face of some of the ballot measures and laws that have been passed by either voters or by the legislature in the past. Um, so we're going to get into those. And then the other piece of this is that um, there has also been um, an attempt by Republicans in the legislature to pass laws that curb um, some of the powers of the incoming Democratic governor, Gretchen Whitmer, um, along with the incoming Secretary of State, Jocelyn Benson, and the incoming Attorney General, Dana Nessel. We'll talk about those in the second half, but I think in the first half, um, yeah, we'll go ahead and talk about some of those like regressive pieces of legislation. Um, and the first thing um, kind of on the top of their list that Republicans wanted to do was gut uh, the $15 minimum wage bill. Um, so right now, SB um, 1171 amends a citizen initiative adopted by the legislator, legislature back in September. Um, basically, um, this amendment would raise the state's minimum wage to $12.05 over 11 years. But what was supposed to happen it was, is it was supposed to be a higher minimum wage that would um, it get enacted earlier. I'm not exactly sure when it was supposed to pass. Amy? Um, I'm not sure, but the I think the big thing with this and then the next bill that we're going to talk about is that the Republicans and the state legislature passed had passed bills earlier that were better and now they're just using the lame duck session to gut them and make them worse yes mm -hmm. so basically what this did is it's slowing the implementation of rising the minimum wage and then it's also um restoring a lower wage for tipped workers um which is just terrible because the minimum wage for tipped workers like waitresses and waiters is extremely low here in michigan i believe it's like hovering around two dollars to three dollars um, like yeah, yeah, so it's just making it harder for those folks to take home money to their families. And uh, yeah, it's just pretty ridiculous and uh, hypocritical. Yeah. Can I, a little side anecdote Please. about tipped workers, and John, you can feel free to cut this if we don't have time, um, but Sherrod Brown, <laughs> Brown got really outraged when he went to his um, airport, because he travels a lot back from D.C. to Ohio, um, that his airport bar didn't have a tip jar anymore, and he like contacted the heads of United and was like, put that jar back out there, and they were like, they can still accept tips, we just don't like the look of the jar, and he's like, but nobody's going to give tips if there isn't a jar, mm -hmm. yeah. and I think there's kind of this misunderstanding that like tipped workers are getting more money money on top of their pay, but it's actually to like make up the gap between right. the minimum wage that we've decided as a society people should be earning. Right. Um, and for some reason, tipped workers just don't have to. So, right. And there's been a little bit of a movement from some, I guess, more hip restaurants to say like, we pay our workers a living wage, like you don't need to tip them on the bill. Hip um, restaurants pay their workers a living wage. <laughs> well, I'm thinking, like, I've definitely seen it in the papers happening at some places in, like, Ann Arbor and Grand Rapids. Um, yeah, and there was actually an Ann Arbor um, restaurant called The Lunchroom, and I'm sure there are other. They're very, mm -hmm. um, like, a vegan restaurant, and they've opened up a couple of new restaurants in the past couple of years because they've done so well, um, who testified on behalf of the original bill saying, this is what we want for our workers. We want everyone to be held to the standard. It's working for us. Business is booming. Um, and we want our employees to be happy and well. But for the hush, we can. 
English. That's yes. right. Yes, we should bring a soundboard the next time that there's testimony and see how that goes over. Right. Really well. I yeah. think it'll hit the points home. So yeah, so that's the first really wonderful piece of legislation that everybody in Michigan obviously is super excited about. We love being paid less. Thank you, Republicans. Um, the second one um, is um, an earned paid sick leave bill. Um, so initially this was passed to um, include tons of Michigan workers um, who would qualify for the sick leave. Um, but now Republicans have passed an amendment um, that accepts far more businesses than the original initiative. Um, so basically any business with fewer than 50 employees, um, those employees will not qualify for paid sick leave. Mm. Um, so basically it's just narrowing the number of people who would qualify, which kind of like defangs the whole point of the bill, which was to include as many people as possible. And this is a place where I think, you know, when you ask voters what they want from their legislature, they want compromise. And that's what right. these bills were supposed to be. People seemed very excited that they were able to get this done early. It meant less things on the ballot. It was good for workers. And it's kind of left us in like a Charlie Brown with the football situation mm -hmm. again. And it's really frustrating to think that like you're doing the right thing. They were actually going to, there was some talk of them trying to pass a marijuana initiative in the summer too. Right. And thank goodness they didn't because, and we'll get that to that in a minute, but think yeah. about what other things they would have been able to do to restrict these bills that the people voted overwhelmingly for. Yeah. Yeah. They're starting to sort of play out exactly what a lot of people were predicting was going to happen. And, you know, what's really the motivation for the GOP of Michigan who has been very against these sort of minimum wage bills and basically anything pro-worker for a long time. So why are they suddenly feeling the need to pass this? Right. Uh, and so it was, you know, this was the, what's that term? Ulterior for? motive. Yeah. That, that, and like, what's that term for like the simplest explanation is always the, the Peter principle or something like that. I don't know. Something but you know. The Peter Principle. But, right, guys. You heard it here first. <laughs> but yeah, you could see them, you know, talking circles about it and being like, you know, we're really, we thought that this was the right time and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, all the predictions have come true and they, they are doing exactly what we thought we're, they were going to do and they're passing it themselves so that they could gut it because it's a lot harder to gut it if it was a voter passed legislation. You need a super majority, I think, to pass something like that. Yeah, but somehow as we get into, so, so yeah, that's a good point and it's a good segue into this next piece. But so these two bills have passed through the legislature and are now awaiting um, Governor Snyder's signatures before he leaves. Lauren, go ahead. And to that point, I haven't, I'll be honest, I haven't kept up that much since these things passed, but there is some discussion that he might propose amendments mm -hmm. that he won't he won't sign these unless certain things happen. It yeah. won't be probably, presumably as good as the original pieces that they passed mm -hmm. or what would have been on the ballot. But um, I am still holding out hope for sure that Ann Arborite Rick Snyder might have it mm -hmm. in the goodness of his heart to give workers like a nice Christmas parting gift and do the right thing here. So yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think if he wants a chance of his political career continuing, I don't know if he's super interested mm -hmm. in that in general. Um, but if he doesn't want to be heckled in the streets of Ann Arbor, yeah, regardless, he might want to he could think use about some, it. <laughs> he could use some good PR. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the next piece, um, so yeah, those two bills are basically on the governor's desk. And then a couple, there's, there's a number of other things, but I'd say some other highlights, 
not really highlights. They're terrible. But low highlights. <laughs> some other lowlights in low this situation. Lights. Some low life lowlights are um, so the undermining of Prop Two. Um, so again, there were a number of ballot initiatives that were passed by the voters in these past midterm elections that now um, the legislature is going after and trying to amend, even though they've already been passed and the language has been approved by voters. Um, so that seems like it completely is just undermining everything. Um, but yeah, so um, in terms of Prop Two, which was the gerrymandering proposal, which created a bipartisan commission, or not a bipartisan, yeah, bipartisan, and then some folks who were nonpartisan. Um, it created a commission of folks who will go on to draw the maps, um, but now the Republicans are um, proposing um, some changes that create more restrictions on who can serve on the committee, despite the fact that the proposal already spelled all of this out, um, and they passed it as is. So that's problematic. And Amy, I don't know if, if you have any more thoughts on that, because you worked closely on that ballot initiative. Yeah, um, I think you kind of handled it, but... I think, yeah, the main thing to take away is that for these ballot proposals, like Michigan voters already voted on them, and just like the fact that even that is up for grabs now is pretty frustrating. Yeah. Um, and then, like, Prop 2 was supposed to take away power from, um, from politicians and give it to the voters, and this is exactly what they're taking back. So it just ruins, like, the entire reason this was passed in the first place and yeah like I said it's really frustrating yeah yeah and then um the next one SB 1243 um would kind of come into play with the uh, legalized marijuana that just passed here it's just putting kind of more restrictions on some of the language that had passed um it would ban home growing marijuana um and would also decrease the tax rate on marijuana products from 10 percent to three percent um, also, that tax revenue would no longer go to schools and roads, um, but to counties, cities, and the state health and human services department and law enforcement. Um, so it completely, um, if I'm not mistaken, is kind of rerouting, rerouting where some of those tax dollars will go to from marijuana revenue. Mm -hmm. I do think, though, because so the, you know, about uh, minimum wage and earned sick time, those weren't ballot passed by voters mm -hmm. um, with these reforms they're trying to make to prop two and marijuana and the other uh, voter passed ballot initiatives i think they need a super majority to be able to actually get these bills through so the chances of these ones happening are pretty low yeah um it's still terrible that they're doing it and i'm sure a lot of them are doing it just to sort of be able to say that they did it yeah. uh, to their constituents for their next elections um but just the idea that we've come this far that uh, people who are supposed to represent, you know, the people of the state are just blatantly like saying, you don't know what you want. Like, I know what you want. Right. And, uh, trying to, trying to pass these things anyways. Cause I mean, they're real, even if they have a low chance of passing, these are real bills that people over there are really working on and still really trying to, uh, really trying to pass. Not a good thing. Not a good thing. Um, and then, yeah, one of the last, uh, low lights, John trademark, um, that we will talk about is SB 1260. Um, that has to do with unions um, and would require public sector unions to vote every two years on, on whether they'd like to keep their union or not. And I'm going to kick it over to Lauren to talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, so there are a few different bills that they're trying to pass that would uh, target public sector unions in particular, which is crazy considering the Janice case was like 
maybe six months ago. Um, so they've already, these people have already faced enough punches and they're people who, <laughs> people who work for us. Um, you know, these are teachers and police officers and firefighters. Sometimes they will specifically carve those people out because the public would be outraged if they were affected. Um, but it can also affect like sanitation workers and people who are, you know, helping us every day. Um, in the course of their work. Um, but yeah, this would require recertification every two years, which um, as a lot of people, a lot of union members have pointed out, every time they vote on a contract, they are reaffirming their faith in their union. Um, and this would basically mean that the unions would constantly be campaigning for their membership. So instead of just having to focus on trying to renegotiate contracts, trying to make sure that their members are properly represented in legal disputes, um, it would also, in addition to all of the great community service that work that they do outside of the workplace, um, it would also mean that the um, unions would have to spend all of this money campaigning to reach out to their members to remind them constantly why they need to recertify. And then I think the unions themselves would have to pay for the elections. Mm. Um, so it's sort of like we talk about the fact that it's really hard for members of Congress and for state legislators to really do their jobs in tough districts when they're constantly campaigning yeah. for re-election. And it would put unions in the same position and mean that they're less equipped to do the job that they're supposed to be doing representing their members because they're trying to like buy their support throughout the rest of the year so it would really damage the way that unions are able to do their jobs and um just as i get to speak to the other couple of bills um it would currently public employees get like paid leave to do union duties because a lot of it is like arbitration for um hr disputes and things like that and it would take away um that power um, that ability and a lot of union members are saying that it would be difficult for them to find people to lead unions because it's adding like another thing that they have to do outside of work time um, so really damaging things on workers who are you know just trying to celebrate the holidays and wrap up for the year um, so all bad things and i will wrap up union corner with lauren um <laughs> thank you kick lauren. it back to mariel <laughs> oh thank you so much for kicking it back to me lauren that was wonderful um yeah um so I think that those were kind of the main um, things that that were kind of alarming to us that are moving through the legislature. And, and of course, there's actually um, quite a few more bills that are also passing through. Um, but those ones seem to be to fly in the face the most um, of the voters and kind of um, does not reflect kind of the values that we saw people vote with when they went um, to the ballot box on November 6th. So, um, yeah, and I, I guess it also kind of underscores the importance of, of passing Proposition 2 um, to get fair districts because we clearly have not, or yeah, we clearly have not elected people who are going to go to the legislature and pursue the things that we're interested in. They clearly are just interested in pursuing their own agenda and making sure that they get reelected um, and making sure that they're keeping, you know, their donors or whoever happy. So um, it's really frustrating. Yeah. And to speak to that point, there's um, a lot of discussion about whether or not lame duck sessions should be outlawed. Um, like just once you're basically voted out or voted back in again, you just don't come back until the new session. Um, and I listened to a shout out to another radio podcast show. Um, I listened to a really interesting interview with Koki Roberts from NPR today, where she kind of talked about the um, like important things that have happened in lame duck 
that wouldn't have gotten done otherwise, but also talking about some sessions where people just didn't come back. Um, so like when Bill Clinton was, when they ran the impeachment hearings, the Senate just didn't come back, but the yeah. House still had a session doing really important work on behalf of the American public. So I think thinking about the good things that can come from it, but also the fact that maybe we don't need these legislators who we have rejected um, to come back and try to get as much done in a month that they can. Yeah, because it's clearly just like throwing Hail Mary bills and like <laughs> right. trying to, they're putting forward the most radical, ridiculous things, seeing what sticks. And honestly, the scary thing is, is that when you hold the majority in the legislature, like some things will stick and some things will pass and right. it's not okay. Yeah, well, and this is the same party that was uh, going along with, you know, the idea that an outgoing president shouldn't be able to pick mm-hmm. a Supreme Court right. candidate. Uh, and that whole debacle, and then now we're at a place where they're trying to pass some really unpopular bills and strip power from people on you know on their way out the door. So very hypocritical. The lamest of ducks. Lame, so lame. <laughs> Super lame duck. Um, just a quick um, shout out about what's going on in Wisconsin too. It seems like Republicans there are. Past, trying to pass like one giant super bill that has a lot of things in it. Um, and those things include, um, so Democrats campaigned on withdrawing Wisconsin from a lawsuit to overturn the ACA and the bill that the Republicans are trying to pass right now prohibits that withdrawal so they couldn't do what the people elected them to do. Um, and then also the bill would limit early voting, which... Um, it's conventionally understood to increase Democratic turnout. Also, just voting in general. Republicans thought don't to like as a it. good thing. <laughs> yeah. Republicans don't like it. Right. Can't imagine why Scott Walker is trying to slam this through in his last couple of weeks in office. Who would know? I it's mean, a real it's, mystery. Yeah. Yeah, it's really just trying to get the people who can take time off of work um, to go and vote on a Tuesday that they don't have off. Right. So just let that sit a little bit. Let it ruminate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> doesn't feel good. No, it certainly doesn't. Uh, and with that, we'll uh, we'll bring it back up with a little bit of uh, with a little trivia. And our very own Amy Lipka is going to be running trivia again this week. What do you got, Amy? How are we feeling about some Midwestern foods, you guys? Yes. Okay. It, it was a big hit. After our last episode. I'm pretty excited for Lauren to be here for this because I did give her the last quiz just for fun and she did nail it. I love carbs, you guys. Mm. (laughs) It's carb-heavy food here in the Midwest. (laughs) We got a lot of grains. (laughs) A lot of grains, a lot of cheese. It's all good. All right, guys. So I'm starting off with an easy one. I have four questions again. All right. Well, don't say easy because I'm going to get it wrong and then <laughs> okay. you're going to make me look when like When I a say dummy. easy, it's I want to know if Mariel knows what this is. Great. Um, so the first one, so just to go over the rules again, if you know what it is, put your hand up. If you don't know what it is, don't put your hand up and we're going to go from people who don't know what it is first. Least enthusiastic <laughs> to most enthusiastic. Feeling attacked. Okay. I did mm-hmm. make eye contact with Mariel as I said that. <laughs> Okay, so number one is not going to be that exciting, I don't think, but puppy chow? Please. Okay, everybody knows what that is. Child's play. Child's Child's play. play. Puppy's play. (laughs) So this one I didn't actually know that it was a Midwestern thing until I read about it online. Mario? 
Um, so puppy chow is when you take Chex Mix, and then in that Chex Mix, you put peanut butter and maybe some chocolate. You melt it all up, you pour it all over it, then you shake it up, and then you dump a bunch of powdered sugar on it. And it is lit, let me tell you. <laughs> L-I-T lit. Did you grow up with it? Um, I mean, not really. They sell it in, like, um... They sell it. They sell it in. Mm. Who makes it? Chex Mix mm-hmm. literally makes it. So I yeah, I bought it in the store and also mm. made it myself before. Yeah. In Massachusetts, they do the same thing, but with clams and oysters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's actually clam chowder in a bag. <laughs> it's a seafood, yeah. seafood-based puppy chow. Yeah. Really I am delicious. So upset right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm upset too. I'm just. I'm joking for our listeners. Nasty. I've never eaten clams covered in powdered sugar. Don't then put you, me in that corner. You haven't lived. <laughs> Then you haven't lived. Okay, so that was a vanity round. Number two. <laughs> Number two. A slinger. Interesting. <laughs> I think I've got an idea. Okay. So I guess I'll go yeah. last. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, no? Okay. I'm going to start with Lauren on this one. Um, the only thing I can think is like a type of cocktail. I don't know. I don't have any association with this guy. Mariel? Mm. <laughs> I really don't know. Um, <laughs> slinger? For some reason, I feel like sandwich. So, I feel a like... A sandwich cocktail. <laughs> I just want to say meatball sub. That's so wrong, but um, I'm going to say a meat-based sandwich. Okay, that's that's covering half of human <laughs> oh, consumption. Oh, so so am I warm? <laughs> or okay. cold? What type I'm of gonna think a beef, a uh, a uh, uh, meatball. meatball. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're done. You're done. Um, I am going to guess it has some sort of. It's like a cousin of the slider. It's like some sort of a small burger mm. that you know, like slinging burgers. That kind of mm-hmm. people say that, right? Um, that's my best guess would be that with, I don't know, like chili on it or something really stupid <laughs> in the Western. That's my guess. Okay. Well, you're not wrong about the chili. No. Um, oh, so total shot in the dark. <laughs> a, a slinger is a Midwestern diner food, mm-hmm. uh, diner specialty, typically, typically consisting of two eggs, hash browns, and a hamburger patty, mm. all covered in chili. <laughs> And generously topped with cheese, so cheddar or s- American, and onions. I'm going to say I was the closest, so I'm going to give myself a ham horn. Wait, John, are you kidding? You didn't get the eggs? You a, didn't get anything else? Is it a sandwich or is it like a plate? I think it's like a plate. Uh, yeah. Don't yeah. question me, Mary. You get a sad trombone for your answer. I think we were all wrong. Uh, I, no. just, I just need, I have one more sentence that I want to read. There are many different variations on it, but it says... The Slinger is described as a hometown culinary invention. It's from St. Louis. A mishmash of meat, hash-fried potatoes, eggs, chili, sided with your choice of ham, sausage, bacon, or hamburger patties, Mm. or an entire T-bone steak. This makes a lot more sense because I went to St. Louis once and I got basically like all of those things minus the meat. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it normally came with bacon, but I didn't have it with that. Like sandwiched between two pancakes and it was <laughs> the best thing I've ever eaten. So. Hmm. I wonder if Campbell would have gotten it. She's from Missouri. Let's, 
We should ask her. We'll ask her. Yeah. We'll, and report we'll, back. Yes. Yes. All right. What are you doing? <laughs> Some Mariel's taking pictures, and I'm uncomfortable. Mm. Okay. Number three is a horseshoe sandwich. Please tell me there's not horse in this. <laughs> <laughs> or horseshoe hey, crab. It's organic and it's locally sourced horse. So. I don't think you're supposed to eat horseshoe crabs either, so I really hope that has nothing to do with this. All right. A horseshoe sandwich. John, you have to go first. Yeah, John has to go first this time. Um, what would be shaped like a horseshoe? Like a crescent roll? Oh. Because it's sort of like a horseshoe, right? So I'm going to guess um, a sandwich and a crescent roll with what's something really Midwest that they could be throwing on it. I'm not giving you answers because I've got to have my answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to say, I don't know, some just a burger and a crescent roll because that's my only guess. <laughs> okay. Lauren? I think it's a sand sandwich... Um, that's oats, apples, and carrots covered in gravy for some reason. You're taking this quite You're taking this quite literally. things horses like. I love you so much for guessing that. (laughs) Mariel. Um, I really, just my mind has not been able to stop thinking about spam. So I'm going to say a really nice sandwich with spam and, um... Maybe some horseradish, oh. horseshoe, okay. um, and then maybe, um, that's it, Spam and horseradish sandwich. <laughs> These are all gross. <laughs> Spam isn't really a Midwest thing. Uh, I mean, yeah, it is. It's an, it's an America thing, but yeah. we'll see. We'll see the, just wait for the answer, John, and we'll see what's up. Mm-hmm. I really admire your guys' ability to try and apply logic to these. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't always pan out, okay. but... Proud I'm, of you. I'm going to guess it didn't pan out this time. <laughs> a, the horseshoe is an open-faced sandwich originating in Springfield, Illinois. It consists of thick-sliced toasted bread, often Texas toast, a hamburger patty, french fries, and cheese sauce. Good Lord. <laughs> oh. So we're all wrong. So probably like a hor- like horseshoe bar or Maybe. like somebody ate it for good luck. I'm yeah. unsure if there's any logic applied. It's like Midwest. It's like poutine. These yeah. all just sound Midwest like... Midwest poutine. Uh-huh. Uh, it's like poutine. Don't embarrass Canada like that. It is not like poutine. These are all just things people make when they're drunk. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the point, yeah. Yeah. This okay. was the chef was wasted <laughs> and was running out of ingredients. Maybe the guy who made it, his name is Horseshoe. Could be. Mm-hmm. All right, number four. Last one. Frenchie. F-R-E-N-C-H-E-E And it is mm. not the dog <laughs> Well, there goes my guess <laughs> So it's spelled like Slurpee <laughs> It is <laughs> I, like, I like the way you're thinking there, John Yeah Bring it home, bring that thought home Well, I'm going to guess it has something to do with french fries So I'm going to say it's some sort of Like, uh you know, do you guys know what walking tacos are? Oh, that would no. be another good one for Wait, this. Wait, you don't? Mm. No. But so, don't explain it. Yeah. <laughs> There's only so many Midwestern foods. I really want to hear Mariel try to yeah. figure out what a walking taco but, is. But uh, I'm going to guess it's like that, but with fries instead of the chips. Like, it's like a, a cup of fries, but with some stuff 
put onto it. Make your own poutine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. BYOP. It's the theme of my next birthday party. <laughs> Make your own poutine party. Mariel? Um, well, the Frenchie, yeah, I'm going to actually guess that it's, again, a sandwich. Uh-huh. <laughs> and say that it's like a, you know, French dip sandwich. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you I'm going to guess there's some meat, some beef, but then also some French fries on it. Okay. That's mm. my guess. Okay. Lauren? And then And then a jus. Okay. Aju. <laughs> Bless you. Thank you. <laughs> Lauren? Um, so I'm going to guess that it's the proper name for green bean casserole. Because <laughs> it has Why? French's mm-hmm. onions French oh. on the top. Oh. So like if you make it specifically with, like that's the recipe on the side of the box mm. is the okay. Frenchie. So a Frenchie is, and I did write this in all caps to myself, <laughs> A deep-fried grilled cheese sandwich from oh, Nebraska. Good God! <laughs> oh, let's go road no trip. Yeah, let's go right now. Let's go right now. We can sample all these delicacies on the way, but Wait, we're going for that. So our scientists often. spent so much time trying to figure out if they could, they never stopped to think if they should. Um, so my question is: so they bread the breading before they yeah. fry it? So I, I did read an article about it. <laughs> It's like, you know, the grilled cheese sandwich, sometimes they add mayo. The article specifically said, don't knock it till you try it. Yeah. And then it's like you dip it in egg and then you put it in like um, cornmeal or like crushed up cereal or something. And then you deep fry it. Mine was pan fried, but I've done, I've done this like with mozzarella Mm. before. So like a little different, but very good. I was going to say, what would this taste any different than like mozzarella sticks? I don't know. A little breadier, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But with American cheese. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's all. Great Thanks, well, guys. Amy, we learned Thank you. That was, that was great. We got to keep that segment up. The, uh, There's only so many foods done. We got to give the people what they want. I'm so proud of our country's culinary history and legacy the that we are leaving history. behind. It's just so beautiful. Well, we could... Uh, I don't know. There's I other would, Midwest things besides food. We I was going to say, I would time. also like to listen to Midwesterners try to figure out non-Midwestern foods Ooh. that we don't have here. Ooh. So maybe. <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> I would like that too, Lauren. I will not make fun of Wait, you. Wait, Mariel, you could do the yeah. next one. What? East Coast foods. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or like East Coast stories. We already, there's we already so heard about that we the, might not know. The East Coast version of Puppy Chow, though, so you can't do that one. Okay. Right. That was John. <laughs> Clams and powdered sugar. Appro- yeah. Appropriating our cuisine. No, it's real. I'm sorry for the cultural appropriation of <laughs> Massachusetts culture. Yeah. Um, yeah. You just don't want, you just don't want to. Um. All right. Let's, uh, let's get into our, our third segment here. Mario, would you like to lead it off again? You've, you're holding strong on all this lamest duck. Sure. I mean, yeah. You know, it has made me a little upset, I will say. So uh, I have been uh, doing some uh, rage reading. Um, it's a good so, way to read. Yeah. So, I mean, okay, so in the first part, as we said, there's like two tiers to what's happening in this lame duck session. There's the passage of all of these regressive bills, and also not just the passage of these bills, but then like the undermining of bills and ballot measures that have already been passed and agreed upon by the people. So that is problematic in a lot of ways. This next part is also extremely problematic. Um, and basically, to like sum it up, it's the fact that Republicans... 
Yep. I'm gonna let's edit. A- again, to our li- no, again to our listeners, <laughs> this is the middle of a work day. There are people around us. That All right, are fine. Moving, yep. moving things around. It's authentic. It's beautiful. Muy authentico. The loading dock where we're currently <laughs> yeah. recording. Yeah. Um, okay. So bloop, rewind. Um, <laughs> you can't just make. We're it. definitely okay. keeping that in. Bloop. Okay. Right. Rewind. Um, you so, might be wondering how I got here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway. Like I was saying. <laughs> so, yes, we talked about the regressive bills. They're terrible. They're horrible. This next part is just as horrible, maybe worse, because um, Republicans are also introducing bills aimed at kind of resisting the transfer of power to incoming Democratic leaders and trying to undermine their power and their ability to do their jobs once they come into office. And, I mean, I don't know about you all, but, like, if you... T- took poli-sci classes, or even understand the basics of how our democracy works. One of the cornerstone pieces of it is that when we have free and fair elections, which I guess it's debatable now because mm, Russia, but when we have free and fair elections, we expect everybody who participates in the system to accept the outcome of those elections and then to um, you know, vacate their position once somebody else is elected into it um, and kind of respect the institutions that we've created. Um, But what we're seeing right now is that Republicans are kind of undermining that whole system and they're saying, yeah, we'll leave office. But before we leave office, we are going to screw you. We're going to strip you of powers and we're going to make it way more difficult for you to do your job. Um, And so they are doing that in a number of ways. So first, um, at the top, they are um, have passed some bills to restrict the powers of the governor, um, the incoming governor-elect, Gretchen Whitmer. Um, and basically, HB 4205 um, would bar state agencies from adopting rules that are more stringent um, than the federal government's rules, um, unless it's determined that there's a clear and convincing need. Um, and basically, um, it would limit the power of Gretchen Whitmer um, to combat problems that are unique to Michigan. Um, and the specific example that I'm thinking of is just like environmental laws. Michigan has Great Lakes. It has some beautiful natural resources. Um, and so there is a need to enact laws that are aimed at conserving those natural resources, of keeping our environment clean, um, and all of that. And so sometimes it's going to be necessary for us to enact legislation that might be a little more stringent than things at the national level. Um, and so basically they're saying, no, we don't want her to be able to do that. Um, and you got to keep things at the same level as they are federally. Well, and that's especially a touchy issue in Michigan, like you said, with all of our natural resources, water, and, not, and and not to mention the history of water in this state. It's obviously problematic. Right, and the fact that Bill Schuette has joined on to um, court cases suing the EPA for trying to be too strict about environmental protections in Michigan. So it's just disgusting that they're trying to keep that going even though they don't hold the office anymore. Right, yeah, it's bad. So that bill has passed um, and is waiting for the governor's signature at this point. Um, and he has not really said whether he is going to pass that or not. Um, And then the second tier um, is the restricting of the powers of the newly um, elected attorney general, who is Dana Nessel, um, through... Uh, HB 6553, um, that would give the state legislature the automatic ability to intervene in lawsuits. Um, and then opponents of that move argue that it um, it kind of creates confusion as to like 
who is representing um, the people of Michigan in court. Um, and yeah, it just kind of like inhibits the ability of the attorney general to represent the state's interests, which is kind of like her primary role as attorney general. Um, so that's basically that. And then um, the next one is restricting the secretary of state, the incoming secretary of state, Jocelyn Benson. There's a bill SB 1250 um, and then four associated bills, which would remove the oversight of campaign finance from the secretary of state's office um, and give it to a newly created commission of three Democrats and three Republicans. Now, can you um, clarify for me whether that is the same commission that has been created by Prop 2 or if that's a different commission? Do you, do, either, do um, any of you know? I believe that there's the one commission that would oversee election law, which okay. is separate, okay. which we have seen a lot of states that have had issues with someone, you know, running for governor and then also being the person in charge of administering elections like we saw in Georgia and right, Kansas right. in the past. Um, so that is an issue, but how are those people chosen? And then I believe the Prop 2 piece is that there's some... Um, confusion over how you decide if the people who are chosen are nonpartisan or what party they belong to. And I think mm -hmm. they want to move that more to the legislature right. than anyone else. And I'm honestly not sure exactly how it was set aside in the bill, but it doesn't feel like these are the people that I want making those decisions. <laughs> well, it's also like interesting to me that they're trying to like kind of take away, like trying to intervene with like the power of the um, like creating the commission for Prop Two for the redistricting commission, but then they're also trying to like create a new commission for this other thing, right? Like both of which would help them, well, but it's like they're doing opposite things. And that's you know? the thing is that people said that the system was broken, so now they're taking the new solution mm -hmm. and breaking it Applying again, it. Yeah. so that the people <laughs> think that the system or that the system keeps being broken and that people mm -hmm. won't stand up to try to fix it again and it's disgusting yeah it's yeah. the right kind of broken <laughs> dark dark yes yeah. are broken uh yeah and so i think that like i don't know like all of these are kind of the main power grabs that are that are going on right now and i think that um it's just kind of indicative of, I think, the place that Republicans feel like they're in right now. Um, maybe this is just me, but, you know, they have a president in office right now who is, I think, flailing is a generous word. Um, and I think that they're seeing that, um, you know, more people are getting involved. There's a lot of anti-gerrymandering initiatives happening, um, not just in Michigan, but across the country and in the Midwest specifically. Um, and, you know, kind of the mess with voter suppression that happened in these past midterm elections, I just think it's becoming increasingly clear that Republicans are feeling like they're in a desperate place. Um, and so they are implementing these measures because I think it's kind of their last grasp at being able to hang on to power because it's so clear that the tides are like shifting out of their favor. Um, but I don't know. It's just, it's, it's wild to me that they're doing all of these things so blatantly. Um, but they're going to have to, like, the state legislators are going to have to run again for office in two years, so. Well, some of them will have to. Right. And some of them won't, because in Michigan we have term limits, and you can only serve in the House for six years. So a lot of these folks um, will be leaving, and they don't have to deal 
with the consequences. And we've seen this, Michigan kind of has a history of this, and obviously Wisconsin does too, um, with a lot of the anti-union bills that were passed, but Michigan had um, the right to work legislation and they had some anti-choice legislation that they passed in a very similar way where people were, you know, protesting on the Capitol steps and it just, right now there aren't any repercussions for doing things like this besides getting voted out and then you get lame duck to pass this kind of legislation. So, I think it was um, Governor-elect Whitmer who made a good point. Uh, I think she made a statement about this saying, you know, how short-sighted this really was and how short-term the sort of gains that they're trying to get power-wise could be because all they're really doing is keeping, especially, you know, the left, the Democrat side's base very energized, whereas normally, um, you know, post-election, we just had a bunch of big wins. Uh, So there's, you know, some energy carryover from that, but normally uh, your average voter wouldn't be... um, paying as much attention to things right now as they are, but it's been in the news nonstop ever since, um, especially um, in connection with uh, the same sort of thing happening in Wisconsin, and it happened in North Carolina before. So it's on people's radars, and I think the way that they're going about it is going to keep things, uh, these things on people's radar going forward and uh, could possibly hurt them a lot in the long term. And um, But like you said about, you know, we have term limits, so a lot of people don't really have to think about the long term, but for, you know, parties as a whole, it's something that they really need to consider. Cool. Uh, yeah. I think that's, <laughs> yeah. I think, no, that was great. I think that we we highlighted all of it. So, yeah, um, I don't, I mean, I don't know, like, I, I know there are protests happening at the Capitol. There are, you should definitely, if you live in Michigan, be contacting your representatives, let them know that you're aware of what's going on um, and that you're not okay with it. Um, and maybe we can try to um, post some links to social media um, directing you to places to go where you can help help the cause. The biggest thing right now, I think, is to... Um, get a hold of the governor's office because a lot of this is waiting on his desk and um, whether it's you know to get him to not pass these bills or to be able to say like we had this many people contact you and you still did it I think both of them are people getting involved and that's really important yep Yep. yeah so very lame duck as we've said so lame the Mm -hmm. lamest of ducks Uh, but speaking of Birds. Sorry, Lauren. <laughs> speaking of aqu- speaking of aquatic uh, birds, let's get into a a, a great silver lining mm-hmm. uh, that also deals with certain types of aquatic birds. <laughs> so Lauren had sent around this article earlier, and it really resonated with me. And I just want kind of want the world to know about this. Mm-hmm. So there's an article in the Atlantic titled. Nothing says Midwest like a well-dressed porch goose. (laughs) Let's Uh, get into it. (laughs) Let's break this down. What's a porch goose? Because this this article hit me hard, too, because it's something that, like, you one of those things that you grow up with and you don't think is weird and you don't understand, and also that I didn't know was a Midwest thing. Exactly. Until reading this article yeah, so let's I've let's never, break it down personally never heard of a porch goose let's break it down <laughs> well, we will also be posting pictures because this is amazing yeah let me just start by reading the intro to this article it is i was also telling mariel this article has some of the best lines that i may have ever read so i'm going to start with the intro and then i'll kind of 
go into a few other things that they touched on. Great article. So it starts like this. When the creators of the long-running ABC sitcom The Middle, about a middle-class family living in Indiana, were coming up with the show's aesthetic, there was one prop they knew they had to have to give the family home genuine Midwestern flavor. A statue of a concrete goose to keep on their porch and outfits to dress it up in. (laughs) (laughs) Our showrunners are natives of Indiana, and they gave me guidance on the region's unique character, says Julie Fanton, who served as The Middle's set director for the show's entire run. They told me about that, and I said, they do what? They dress up their lawn ornaments? (laughs) They do. (laughs) In suburban and rural towns across America, but mostly in the Midwest, a small but persistent subset of porches play host to these geese whose outfits get changed seasonally and sometimes according to the weather. (laughs) You might see a goose statue dressed as a pumpkin around Halloween or as Uncle Sam for the 4th of July. I reported most of the story the week of Thanksgiving, and several goose owners I spoke with had dressed their their geese as pilgrims for the holiday. (laughs) So this is a real thing. Me and Lauren and John have all grown up with porch geese around us. My parents didn't have one, but a lot of their neighbors had them and have them. Yeah, I didn't realize that this was a Midwest thing, or never even thought about it because it was so you bit like both of my grandparents' houses had it on the porch. We had it on our porch all growing up until it eventually, uh, I think in the article it talks about how they their heads all get cracked off eventually because they're made <laughs> of concrete, which is really weird too. Um, yeah, had one like my whole childhood. My mom had a full set of outfits. <laughs> she would dress up. She had a pilgrim outfit. <laughs> she had a Santa outfit. She had an Easter bunny, I think, outfit and just did not realize the significance of these things. I just, I thought that they just came with houses. <laughs> Because they were everywhere. My whole neighborhood, I remember having them. Yeah, why dress your child up in cute outfits when you could just uh, dress your little goose up in cute outfits? Because they both? don't fuss about it, yeah, John. Mo- I'm sure you were a big fussy one. Millennials just dress their cats up now. They don't have time for Portuguese. <laughs> no. Nope. I got to get one, though. I, we got to bring it back. <laughs> I Yeah, in my hometown, it was definitely like probably the third owner of the home who still had the goose on the porch, mm-hmm. but the clothes had all disappeared. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really realize until I read this article that they were supposed to be, like that was part of it, was dressing yeah. them up. No, there's definitely one. They were all over like my parents' area where I grew up in Michigan when, when I grew up. And then I think they're kind of less ubiquitous now, but mm-hmm. there is one that is decapitated, but it's still out on someone's driveway. So whenever I run at home, I like run past their driveway and there's just a decapitated cement goose and the head laying on the ground next to it. It's been that way for like years. Yeah. They're <laughs> structural to all these post-war houses. If mm-hmm. you take them off of your porch, your foundation <laughs> will collapse. They're very important. So a couple more things in this article that I just really loved and I need to share um, so it talks about how there are like little regional quirks that you don't realize are weird until you leave. And there is a story about someone named Patricia Lockwood, who's a, it describes her as a poet and a popular Twitter humorist. She returned to Cincinnati, Ohio, where she's from. She now lives in Georgia. She noticed the geese anew while driving around town, which prompted her to tweet, Uh, Is it normal in other places that people have a concrete goose in their front yard that they dress up according to whether it's raining or not? She said that uh, the most popular goose outfit where she was is a rain slicker, and some people really do put the coat on when it rains and takes it off when it stops raining. My mom 100% had a raincoat outfit for the goose on her front porch. That is so cute. It's so funny. And weird. 
Um, a little bit about the history. The author of this article, who I'll mention later, um, says the origins of the practice are murky. A search of local newspaper archives um, and discussions, she was able to find um, mostly that it caught up around like the 1980s, gained popularity through the 90s. She also mentions um, a 1998 article in the Chicago Tribune called stylish lawn geese get down big time <laughs> claims that they've been lawn geese became popular in the 1950s so she thinks that maybe in the 80s and 90s is when dressing them up became popular um a couple other things she like looked into i actually don't know who the i just keep saying she yeah julie beck for, at the atlantic is who wrote this um she looked into like finding goose outfits online and she interviewed someone who said i just went online and lo and behold it's a thriving industry i'm sure <laughs> it is goose outfits um and another person has a prince costume for their goose oh. there is a picture we can tweet it oh we're no. gonna tweet it. it's amazing <laughs> um and then they do mention that the geese themselves are hard to find online. Sorry, John. Mm. Because they can weigh about 65 pounds. Whoa. Because yeah. they're made of concrete. Where do you... Do people get them at, like, home and garden stores or something? I have no um, idea. There are actually... On, my grandparents lived in Grant White Cloud, Nuevo area. Mm -hmm. um, and there's, like, a, a few concrete stores. Like, it's shops where the only thing that they sell are molds made out of yeah. concrete so that would be my guess mm -hmm. it's so inefficient now too because you could get like a plastic one but it's you right know, it well wouldn't the, be the article same. did Tradition. mention that plastic ones blow away in the wind easier mm. so it's more practical <laughs> not if to you get a concrete not if you bolt it to now the you're thinking <laughs> on your front porch um another part of the article says in their heyday in the 1990s the high visibility of the neighborhood lawn geese made them a regular target for pranks both good and ill-natured According to a front page story in the Fremont, Ohio News Messenger titled, It's Lawn Goose Season Again, there was a rash of anti-goose crime that plagued the county <laughs> from summer 1991 all the way through January 1992. So hmm. vandalism was a Glad big problem. Glad I wasn't alive for that dark period. <laughs> oh, but wait. The dark ages. In July 1994, oh, no. a goose snapping made the front page of the Akron Beacon Journal. <laughs> How do you steal it? That's so heavy. It's steal. You have to chain it to the back of your truck no. and drag it away. It basically just talks about how it was like a rite of passage for people to vandalize the geese, but then you grow up and have them, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> We're, uh, you know, over in Metro Detroit, there was a string of uh, I don't know if, the, I think this is only a Midwest thing, but big boy restaurants, there was a lot of thefts of the, the big boy statues <laughs> that, that would be outside hometown. of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it happened to my junior year, like the senior prank that year, they mm -hmm. stole the, the big boy statue from the big boy where all everybody would like hang out. And those are big. And they, they cemented it in front of the front of the doors of the school <laughs> so you couldn't get in the main doors. Um, yeah, we'll find some nice online shop sellers, maybe like some Etsy shops that mm -hmm. sell goose costumes in case you have an unadorned goose. Yeah. At your home. Yeah. Um, we I found think... some cute uh, pineapple outfits. Mm -hmm. um, you can dress them up as other birds for some reason. Yeah. Sorry. Maybe, we can, maybe you can get smaller ones, too, for, you know, apartment people. They do. They have goslings. Oh, thank God. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. 
Wow, that is everything I ever wanted to know about lawn geese. Thank you so much, Amy. I wanted the world to know about them. And also, this Atlantic article is very well written. It is. Mm -hmm. Best, uh, the Midwest's best best kept secret. Concrete. Mm -hmm. Apparently not, though. Lawn geese. Someone in this article also called the lawn geese enthusiasts an underground society, and I want to just leave you <laughs> well, with that. <laughs> I know that it's like the lawn gnome people. That's like a big thing. Like people collect them, and they have like, you mm-hmm. know, trade shows and meetings. So why not lawn gooses? Why not? Why not? Why not? Indeed. <laughs> uh, a thoughtful ending. Thank you, John. Yeah. <laughs> great, uh, great silver lining this week. I think we really needed it. And tying in with you know ducks, geese. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a whole mm-hmm. thing. It's um, good. Um, so, wrapping it, up, wrapping it up here. Um, if you're not subscribed, what the heck? Please subscribe the to our heck? podcast. What the heck? The heck are you doing? Um, you can find this podcast on Stitcher, on Google Play, on iTunes. Uh, iTunes, or wherever the heck you get your podcasts. You should subscribe and rate and like, um, and then you'll get a new episode. Um, whenever we decide to drop them, we like to keep you on your toes. So I won't say weekly, but I will say sometimes <laughs> we do put out yes. new episodes. It um, makes it more special. It makes it more special. We keep it spicy. Um, and then you can follow us on Instagram, uh, Midwest Nice Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Midwest Nice Cast. Um, or you can find us on our really long website, John. Midwest-nice.pinecast.co. You heard it here first, folks. Um, so, yeah, I think that's it. I think that's it, everybody. Thanks, everybody, for sticking with us. Sticking with us to the bitter end. <laughs> to the bitter goose end. But it's end. not ending. We're keeping it going. There's no, we're not even close to an end. Not even close. I got at least 20 years left in me. Oh, oh <laughs> wow. podcast about wow. Midwest I'm politics. Lauren <laughs> yeah. might not last Speak that long. Speak for yourself. We got 15, so. <laughs> yeah. Everyone else might not last that long, but I'll still be here. Cool. All right. Uh, great episode. See you guys eventually. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>